Hello, welcome back to the podcast. Week 12 of the NFL season is come and gone, and the playoff picture in the NFL is starting to figure itself out. I'm going to talk about which teams I trust going into the going into December in both the NFC and the AFC. And what a crazy week weekend for the MLB hot stove. So many moves, so many great moves. Not by the teams I expected, but fantastic moves we made. And a crazy weekend in college football as well. Two big, big moves being made in the coaching carousel. And who knows, maybe a potential shift of power in, in the college football world. Probably not, but it's wishful thinking. Here we go. Go talk about all that right now. With week 12 coming on and the last week of November passing, we have now entered December. December football is here. And in December, we finally figured out who are actual contenders and who are actual pretenders in the NFL. So I'm going to go through the current playoff standings real quick. Talk about their last performances and tell you, are these teams actually contenders or are they pretenders? Let's start with the AFC and we'll start with the first seed, Baltimore. Baltimore, they won a game on Sunday Night Football last week where they beat up a injured Cleveland team where they did a fantastic job. Stuffing the run for the Cleveland Browns, which has been pretty the strength of that team all year long. And they did that despite Lamar Jackson not having his best performance. He went 20, he played 20 passes. He had 165 yards and threw a touchdown. But he also threw, threw for four interceptions. Lamar played like trash. Let's be honest. He played like trash last week. And he knows it. If you follow. He knows it, and I'm pretty sure he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that doesn't happen again. This Ravens defense is legit, in my opinion. They've been doing this all year long. For the most part, they're 8-3. They're currently the one seed in the AFC for a reason, and I think they are actually a contender for a Super Bowl title this year. They have great coaching. John Harbaugh's done a fantastic job with this team all year long. The offense has been clicking. The run game's clicking. Defense playing fantastic all year long. Put Baltimore in the contender tier. Now, the two seed, New England. Now, they're currently 8-4, and four, right? They absolutely destroyed Tennessee, who is decimated by injuries all year long. But they have been rolling as of late. They have won their they have won six games in a row since they lost to the Cowboys back in October. But I don't know about this team yet. Yes, they are eight and four. They're hacking back of the Baltimore Ravens. But I am unsure about this team. I don't know. They've beaten some... During that six-game six game winning streak, they've beaten some mediocre to bad teams at best. That Titans win was impressive, though. I'll give them that. But I'm looking at their schedule here, right? They have two games against Buffalo, right? Who are currently sitting at 7-4. And, well, I mean, you got to think of this. Mac Jones has been pretty good so far this year. He's done everything the Patriots have asked him to. They've got the number one scoring defense in the league so far this season. They have been absolutely lights out. Matt Judon having a career year. Secondary has been fantastic, led by J.C. Jackson. And the run game has been efficient. And effective for the New England Patriots. 
And of course, they had the, what, the greatest football coach of all time in Bill Belichick at the helm. I don't want to really call them a contender yet. There's something about this Patriots team that's throwing me off. But if they go into Week 13 on Monday Night Football and beat Buffalo at Buffalo, I would be able to call them a true contender. I really do. Some, and that's weird for me to say. I never thought I'd say New England has to beat Buffalo to prove to me that they're a contender, but here we are. For now, I'm going to put them in I don't know. I don't know. If they beat Buffalo, well, they have two matchups against Buffalo still. They have two matchups in Buffalo. One on Monday Night Football this week, and then in, they play the day after Christmas at home. So they got two chances to beat Buffalo. Two chances to beat Buffalo. If they win the AFC East, be careful because this team is hot right now. They're probably the hottest team in football right now. But I need to see them beat Buffalo first before I call them a contender. Still. I trust Bill, though. I trust Bill, though. So we'll see how it goes. I'll put him in a... I'll put him as a contender for now. You know, Forget it. I'll put him as a contender for now. But if they lose to Buffalo, I'll change my mind about that. They are a contender for now. The Tennessee Titans. Now, the Titans, they come off a... Devastating loss against New England. They got destroyed last week by New England. They've been without Derek Henry for a few weeks now. They've been out without their two best pass catchers and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. Tannehill's not looked that great. And the schedule does ease up a little bit going down the stretch. They play the Jaguars next week. They play the Steelers. They play the 49ers, who have suddenly gotten red hot. They play the Dolphins, who have gotten red hot out of nowhere. And then they play the te- they play the Texans. So I do expect this team to still make the playoffs, but I am going to call them a pretender. This team is a pretender in my eyes. I don't know where Derrick Henry is going to be at the begin- by the time the postseason begins. I don't know. I don't trust the health of A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. And... I don't trust Ryan Tannehill right now. I absolutely don't. He looked pretty. He looked pretty bad in that loss against New England, and he looked bad against that game against Houston. That's just two games. He's not that great, which is great. Which is strange because after that game against the Rams, they they look they look good. They was like, okay, maybe they have a chance. And then the game against the Saints, like, okay. They, they might be fine, but then these last couple of weeks against Houston and New England, it's just, no. This team is just, this team does not look like a contender. They look like at the beginning of the season, they're still 8-4. and four. They still could win the, they're still going to win the AFC South. They have a too big of a lead to choke it right now. They took care of business against the Colts, who are the next closest team in their division at 6-6, six and six, so... They're going to win the South, but I don't know if I can call them a contender. They are going to go in the pretender category. Four seed, Kansas City. They currently sit in the four seed, and they are going to be coming out their bye week. And they will be playing on Sunday Night Football against the Denver Broncos next week. And... For the Kansas City Chiefs, they are currently 7-4. They are currently winning the West. And they are currently on a little bit of a winning streak. They have won four straight games, albeit against the Giants, a Aaron Rodgers, Packers team, a Raiders team that has looked okay, and a Cowboys team that has struggled as of late. But they've won four in a row. Now, obviously, Kansas City at their best. You can definitely call them a contender. But they have six games left. They play the Broncos, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Broncos again. If this team gets rolling like they did before they went into the bye week, 
And Patrick Mahomes continues to play well like he did back against the Raiders or against the Cowboys. I don't know. I can really call this team a contender, but I don't know. This Chiefs team has to make a statement against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football. I do not know how this game got flexed Sunday Night Football. It just did. So we'll have to wait and see how this goes. The AFC West is just a weird mess right now. I mean, you look at the standings in the AFC West, they lead by a full game over the Chargers, who they've lost to early in the year. They got one more game against the Chargers. And then the Raiders of Broncos are also a game back and technically still in the race for the AFC West. So we'll have to see if the Chiefs can just take care of business in their own division. They got a lot of tough opponents going down, coming down the stretch with, obviously they played Denver, who can surprise some teams as we saw last week. When they beat the Chargers, the Raiders, I don't know about the Raiders. They play the Chargers, who have looked inconsistent as heck. They play the Steelers, who are not that good. They the Bengals, who have been surprisingly decent this year. But I'm going to put them in the contender category in the AFC. Just because I trust Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in the situation. The defense has played a little bit better in the past couple of weeks. And I put my trust in Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to put the... Chiefs as a a potential contender in the AFC. Now onto the wildcard teams. Cincinnati, they have been surprisingly good this year. Their last game, they destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers 41-10 to move to 7-4, and they are now within a game of the AFC North. They're only one game back of the of the Ravens. And they absolutely dominated them the first time they played. Now, I don't know what to think of this Bengals team. They're young. They're exciting. Zach Taylor's actually done a fantastic job with this team so far this year. And I have my doubts about Zach Taylor. But they're in a pretty good position right now. They had, But their schedule is just brutal down the stretch. They play a Chargers team where they can either go off one week or slump. They play the 49ers who have been red hot, the Broncos, the Ravens again, the Chiefs, and the Browns. So, and I don't know. There's just something about inexperience that I just don't trust with the Bengals right now. They're definitely a year away from actually being considered a contender, but they are definitely going to be a fun team to watch going down the stretch in December and early January. But for now... They are a pretender in the AFC. Buffalo at the 60, they're definitely a contender still. I do trust Buffalo still. I don't expect Josh Allen to be slumping as he has been forever. But you never know. Like I said, they got a big game coming up against New England on Monday Night Football. The winner of that game takes first place in the division. And then the Bills will have a tough game against Tampa Bay in Tampa. Then the, those two games right there will really consider they can really cement themselves as a contender again in the AFC. They did blow out the Saints on Thanksgiving bounce back from that terrible loss at the Colts the week prior. So the schedule out of these next two weeks, they definitely to they can definitely establish themselves as a contender permanently in the eyes of many people. But for me, I think this is a contender. They're a really good team still. That defense is still really solid, other than that one week against Indianapolis where Josh Allen had a great game. But Josh Allen's still a great quarterback. And I can put my faith there. I think Buffalo's still a contender in the AFC. Now, the seventh seed is currently held by the Chargers. And... I don't trust this team. I really don't. They either they really just go out and dominate their opponent or they just look terrible like they did against Denver last week. Uh, this Chargers team has a pretty soft schedule going down the stretch. I'll say that. They got the Giants next week. Wait, no, my bad. They got the big game coming up against Cincinnati. That could be a big one going down the stretch in the AFC when it comes to playoff positioning because they are currently one game back. Of Cincinnati for the five seed. Then they play the Giants. That's a gimme. I mean, it should be a gimme. I'll get into that in a second. Philadelphia. And then we got the they play the Chiefs again. 
big one. They win that one. They they definitely have the inside track to win the AFC West. Then they play the Texans, which should be a gimme, but you never know. Tennessee. And then we got chart and the Chargers play the Broncos and then the Raiders to finish the year. So I don't know. This Chargers team's just really been inconsistent throughout the entire of the year. They have great games like they did against Pittsburgh, and then they lay an egg against the Vikings and the Broncos. I just don't know. I'm going to put them in the pretender tier for now, but they do have a really solid team with Herbert, Eckler, and that offensive firepower that they have on that team. And just to quickly wrap the ASC, I'm just going to go down the list here. Just quickly name off of these teams as pretenders or groups. Contenders are pretenders for a playoff spot. Vegas, contender. I don't trust this team. There's still just too much turmoil on this team. Though they had a good win against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving, I just don't know what this team looks to do if they even do make a playoff spot. I don't I don't see them being a New England. I don't see them being a Tennessee when healthy. I don't see them being Kansas City when healthy. I just don't know what this team would do in the playoffs. Denver, definitely a contender. Despite the great from the defense playing great the past couple of weeks, I just I don't trust that offense whatsoever. Colts, they can contend for a playoff spot, but they gotta get back on track soon. I mean, they are six and six. But their schedule is pretty manageable. They got the Texans coming up. And then they finished of course they got two matchups, tough matchups against the Patriots and the Cardinals. On Christmas Day, but then they got they finished the season with the Raiders and the Colts. Who, I mean, Raiders and the Jaguars. <laughs> so they can finish off the season, maybe find the last spot. Pittsburgh contender. I mean, not contender, pretender. Big Ben looks a hundred years old. Defense is riddled with injuries. Offensive line's terrible. And other than Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, they really don't have any weapons. That I trust on the offensive end. Cleveland, pretender, too banged up, too banged up on the offensive side of the ball. Baker's banged up like no other. Run game is not as efficient as it used to be. And I don't know. They've definitely fallen under expectations. And then Miami at five and seven. They're a pretender. Yes, they're hot right now, but it might be a little bit too late in the AFC. And let's not even waste my time talking about the Jets, the Jets, and the Texans. They're not going anywhere. But, yeah, that is the AFC playoff picture. All right, on to the NFC playoff picture. And this one is a little interesting because there's still plenty of teams fighting for a wild card spot. I do feel like the top four spots right now are currently going to be set in stone, but the race for the wild card... It's gotten a little bit interesting. It's gotten a little bit interesting. Again, I'm going to go through my contender-pretender list. Starting with the one seed, I got the Arizona Cardinals. And I have the Arizona Cardinals as a contender, if healthy. Even though the Arizona Cardinals have gone away with beating some mediocre teams like San Francisco and Seattle with Colt McCoy. They're not going to – Cole McCoy is not going to help you win the playoffs, so they need a healthy Kyler Murray back. I'm sure he's going to come back this coming week against the Chicago Bears. And the Cardinals definitely have a chance to solidify themselves at the number one seed in the, a, in the NFC. My bad. They played the Bears this week. Then they played the Rams in a big-time Monday night showdown, which could decide the a, NFC West. Then they, then they play the Lions, who are not good. Then they put the Cowboys, Seahawks, and Colts. Also, to wrap up the season, so the schedule's manageable for them down the stretch. They do have a chance to lock out the one seed. I got them as a contender. The two seed, Green Bay. Do I even have to say anything? They are a 1,000% a contender. Aaron Rodgers has played fantastic. They got two great running backs. Their defense has played absolutely fantastic with their backups, mind you. They don't even have a lot of their starters in right at the moment. They have a lot of their backups in at the moment. 
They allow their backup on the offensive line, and they've done a great job. They've continued to find ways to win games. They already have a win over the Arizona Cardinals, so the Cardinals slip up one more time. They could find themselves pretty much running the NFC during the playoffs. Everybody had to go to Lambeau in January. No, thank you. So, I got them as a I got them as a, a contender for sure. They got Rodgers. That defense played fantastic this year. The run game's been great, and honestly, they got Devontae Adams, who has been absolutely fantastic this year. And other than Adams, Randall Cobb and Marquez Vandeling, Marquez Vandeling Scandling. I think that's how pronounce his name. Valdez Scandling. That's what it is. Valdez Scandling. They've been pretty good this year for him. So, this team definitely has what it takes to contend for a Super Bowl in the NFC. Three-seed Tampa Bay, yeah, I'll call them a contender. They got Tom Brady. They won the Super Bowl last year for a reason, and this team still has not, in my opinion, found their stride yet. They played a hard-fought game against the Colts last week, won it, and now... This Tampa Bay team still needs to find their groove. They're still not 100% healthy on both sides of the ball. I still have questions about their secondary, though. I just, other than that, I do think this Bucks team has good enough firepower on the offensive side of the football to contend with anybody in the NFC, in my opinion. Even though they lose to teams like the Rams earlier this year, I do think they will be able to contend in the NFC. It's just. I mean, you can't really bet against Tom Brady, can you? You just really can't at this point. I will call the Bucks a contender in the NFC. The Dallas Cowboys. Oh, boy. Well, the Dallas Cowboys. They are a pretender. And let's not kid ourselves. They're first in the NFC least. They're probably gonna win the NFC least. At least they're favorite. They should be favored to win the NFC least. They have a game and a, they have a pretty big, decent lead on the second place Washington football team. They're ahead by two games in that division still, but they still have two matchups with Washington left to go, so they could very well. Lose both those games if they're not careful. But I don't think they will have to worry about that. I have question marks about their health. I have question marks about their defense in the past couple of weeks. I mean, they should not have given 36 to a lowly Raiders team who I have no answers for, no answers about how they're even still in this position. No coach and all. But here we are. The Cowboys play the Saints on Thursday Night Football. That's, they should win that game. Then they play a football team. Who knows? Then they play the Giants. They should beat the Giants. They, then they play a football team again. As simple as that. I don't think this team is a contender. I really think they are a pretender. But they could change my mind when they play the Cardinals on January 2nd. If they beat the Cardinals... Maybe you can consider them a contender, but for now, I got the Dallas Cowboys as a pretender, especially after that sorry performance against the Vegas Raiders. And they've, mind you, they've lost three of the last four to Kansas City, Denver, and Vegas. And the only team they beat is a sorry Atlanta Falcons team, who is like I don't know how I don't even know how Atlanta's still in this playoff race. The NFC bottom feeders are not that great this year. <laughs> But yeah, Dallas, anyway, Dallas is a pretender in the NFC. Oh, man, I wanted to talk about this team for a while. The five-seed Los Angeles Rams. Now, I don't know what is going on with this Rams team, but they played bad. They've lost three games in a row. I believe. Yeah, they've lost three in a row. They lost to they lost to Green Bay last week. 
They lost to San Francisco, and they lost to Tennessee without Derrick Henry. I don't understand what's going on with this team. This team literally is trying to buy a Super Bowl. They went out and got players like Odell, Von Miller, Matt Stafford in the offseason, and now here we are again. Matthew Stafford's not playing that great. I mean, he's putting up decent numbers, but those are kind of the numbers you saw in Detroit. Matthew Stafford always put up great numbers in Detroit, but that didn't lead to many wins in Detroit. And here we are again. I mean, look at his stats for the last game. He went 21 for 38, 302 yards. He threw for three touchdowns, and he had a pick, that what, that which went to the house, by the way. That's three games in a row with a pick six, by the way. I just don't know what the Rams team, they definitely have the talent to be a contender, but they need to right the ship soon. I still call them a contender, but they need to right the ship soon. They play Jacksonville next week, so they definitely have a chance to right some wrongs. This game, they definitely need to come out and dominate by at least 40. If they don't put up at least 40 points against this Jaguars team, the offense is, I don't know. They should win this game by 40. Jacksonville's not a good team. And then look at the rest of the schedule after that. They play the Cardinals again on Monday Night Football. That's going to be a big one. If they don't win that one, they can basically kiss the division goodbye. And then they got Seattle. They probably should beat Seattle. Seattle's just not a good team this year. Then they finish the season with the Vikings, the Ravens, and the 49ers again. And that... January 9th game could decide whether they finish the 5 seed or the 6 seed because San Francisco is a game back at the 6 seed and they've been playing great football as of late. So I know what the Rams can do. The question is, can they go out and do it? San Francisco at the 6 seed. They definitely could contend for a Super Bowl if they continue to play the way they've been playing the past couple of weeks. They had a very impressive win at home against the Los Angeles Rams. They absolutely dominated dominated that game from start to finish. It wasn't even a contest in that game. That defense looked like that defense that made it to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. They got back to running the football. Debo Samuel has been absolutely fantastic for them as of late. Eli Mitchell... Pretty good as well for them as well. And then they picked up a big win this week against the Minnesota Vikings at home in a playoff game, pretty much. They needed to win that game to to take a tiebreaker, and they took care of business. 34-26. Jimmy Garoppolo did what he needed to do. He did his job, game managed. Eli Mitchell went off that game. Though the Debo Samuel injury could play an interesting role for them the last couple of weeks. But we'll have to wait and see. San Francisco is currently sitting at 6-5. They play Seattle next week. I don't know. We'll see about that one. Then they play a good Cincinnati team. They play a bad Falcons team. A Titans team that's just struggling. A Texas team, which is not that good. And then they play the Rams again. And like I said about the Rams, this game on January 9th could decide who gets the five seed and has to play the Dallas Cowboys and the six seed who, uh, and they had to go to Tampa Bay. And I don't know about you, but in the postseason, I'd rather play Dallas than Tampa Bay right now, but that's just me. So what we'll to see how that goes. That could definitely be a Sunday night game. San Francisco, I'll definitely call them a pretender. I mean, a contender if they continue to play the way they are right now. Washington at the seven seed, they are a pretender. I mean, they're 5-6. and six. The only reason they they beat a bad Seattle team last night and jumped all the way up here to the 7th seed. They, they leapfrog a ton of teams. But I'll give them props to where, they, where they're due. They've been playing pretty good football the past couple of weeks. They've won three in a row, and now they're currently sitting two games back of the NFC East with two games against the Dallas Cowboys left to play. This next week, they play the Raiders. They could win that game. Then they got the Dallas Cowboys. They win that one. They're sitting pretty. Then they got two matchups against the Eagles. And then they got to the Cowboys one more time. And then they play the Giants. So they definitely are still alive for the NFC East crown. 
But when it comes to Super Bowl contention, they're definitely not in it. Shout out to Tyler, Taylor Heineke and that Washington football team, though. They've actually fought hard to get back to where they are now. Now they're just sitting two against the back of the Dallas Cowboys in the East. And like for the AFC, I'm just going to list off the rest of these teams that are technically still in contention and tell them that they actually could contend for a playoff spot. Minnesota, yes, they can contend. They got absolutely buttload of talent on the offense side of the football with Thielen and Jefferson. Though losing Devil Cook for two weeks might hurt a little bit. Alexander Madison will just roll in there and do what they needed to do. Atlanta, no. I don't even know how they're five and six. This team is absolutely terrible. They did beat a ter- they barely sweeped by a terrible Jacksonville Jaguars team. They are a pretender. Um New Orleans pretend they're technically still in it as well, but they're too banged up to even consider being a playoff team. Philadelphia. You heard a lot of talk about the Philadelphia Eagles the past couple of this past week. Talking about, oh, the Eagles can catch the Cowboys. The Eagles are rolling. And then they laid then they wet the bed against the Giants. Pretender. And then Carolina pretender. Cam Newton looked absolutely awful against Miami. And he got, eventually got benched. As simple as that. He got benched and looked bad. And I guess you can fine. I'll make a I'll say this about the Giants in Chicago since they're technically still in it. Pretenders. Seattle, Detroit, they're bad. They're not doing anything, which sucks because I had high hopes for my Seattle Seahawks going the season, but this team just looked bad. Yeah, I'll talk about it in a later time, but probably at the season end, but. I think Seattle might need to blow it up. They might have been the most disappointing team in the NFC, in my opinion. But that's for a different time topic. Yeah. That is just how I think of the NFC playoff picture. You know, this past weekend when it came to the MLB, reminded me of Black Friday. Because this past weekend, everybody was shopping the best free agents with the looming lockout more than likely going to happen starting tomorrow if unless the MLB and the players association actually by some miracle come by, come in the green by tomorrow it's unlikely we're going to see many ac- much action in the MLB so we saw a lot of these teams go out and make moves that they needed to do now you ever seen that movie Jingle All the Way with Sinbad and Arnold Schwarzenegger? So far, free agency, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character and Sinbad characters of this offseason have definitely been the Yankees and the Dodgers. I don't know what they're doing. They're just sitting there watching all their targets and former players leave them like crazy and just missing out on every opportunity to get to grab the players that they needed or want. But... Enough of that for now. A lot of great moves were made by some teams that I did not expect to make these great moves, but here we are. I'm just going to go through all the major moves that I think they are huge and and talk about them real quick. Starting with, obviously, the most recent move of the day. Javier Baez is going to head to the Detroit Tigers for six years, $140 million. Now, I like this move for the Detroit Tigers, who already went out and got a pitcher in Eduardo Rodriguez. Gives them a legitimate option at the shortstop position. Gives them some decent pop in that lineup, which they didn't really have last year. But let's wait and see how that pans out. I do like them. I do like the contract for Javier Baez, but I didn't expect him to go to Detroit of all teams. But it is what it is. Next up, I got. Corey Kluber going to the Rays for a one-year deal. I like this move for the Rays, especially since, you know, the Rays have a little bit of reputation of reviving pitchers' careers. Corey Kluber is still a very solid veteran in this league, and it's a nice little move that the Rays could have made, and they did. The Marlins signing a four-year, $53 million, or agreeing to a four-year, $53 million with Azevala Garcia 
a outfielder with some pop, which was a really big need for that Marlins lineup last year. I do like the move for the Marlins. Isaiah Garcia had a fantastic year last year at the plate, and he's going to do fit very well in Miami, in my opinion. All right, now on to the very, very big moves. Kevin Gosman, he's going to head to Toronto. I don't know why I didn't write down the contract deals, but I know he's going to be there for a little bit of a while. He's going to be there to 2026, I believe. So he's going to be there a while. And that's a big move for the Blue Jays because they lost Robbie Ray, the American League Cy Young Award winner from last year. Robbie Ray, he's heading to Seattle, but I'll talk about that in a second. Kevin Gosman is actually fantastic. Pitched absolutely fantastic. Was a Cy Young candidate last year in the NL. I believe he actually won it, but I can't remember that right now. I'm pretty sure he won it, right? Yeah, I think he won it. But yeah, he pitched fantastic last year for the San Francisco Giants. He was definitely due for a big day payday, and the Toronto Blue Jays delivered on that payday. So he's going north of the border. Now, the Seattle Mariners made some fantastic moves that I think were a little bit underrated. Well, they made two moves. First of all, they traded for second baseman slash outfielder Adam Frazier from San Diego. And I believe he's going to slot into that second base spot unless they get something bigger. Other than that, you can definitely throw him in the corner outfield, right field, left field. doesn't matter. He can play pretty well in those positions. But... It's a huge, it's a nice upgrade over at second base for the Seattle Mariners because Adam Frazier was an all star last year. He hit very well from the left hand side of the plate. Pretty solid defender still. And he's an immediate upgrade over what the Mariners had at second base last year. Dylan Moore, obviously. Obviously, Ty France could have played there last year, but he's probably going to be the first baseman going to the next season. I, I mean, I don't know. They still got Evan White there for crying out loud. So who knows? Definitely more moves to be made. And then, like I said, I mentioned, they signed Robbie Ray to a five-year deal worth $115 million. I love it. I absolutely love the move. The rotation definitely needed an upgrade after last year. But as much as I like Marco, I like Flexen, who a lot of people seem forgetting about talking about this rotation thing. I like, I like Logan Gilbert. We needed a certified ace at the top of this rotation, and Robbie Ray is exactly that. His stuff is absolutely nasty, great movement, great spin right on the ball. And it's a big reason why he was able to win the American League Cy Young last year. And I love it. I love the move. I was ecstatic when they made the move. And <laughs> we have a Cy Young winner in Seattle, boys. <laughs> I'm so happy about that move. Seattle did a fantastic job Fantastic start to the start of their offseason. They still need a few bats and maybe one more arm. Maybe go out and get a Chris Bryant. Maybe go out and trade for Matt Chapman. Maybe, maybe it's a pipe dream, but maybe go get a Trevor Story. And I think they should go out and get a Mark Stroman as well. The Mariners definitely have money. The question is, can they go spend more of it? They did with Robbie Ray. Can they go spend more? They got one more day to do it. For now, it looks like, but we'll see how it goes. Now, these next two teams I'm going to talk about their moves. One team I could have expected to make these moves. The other team, not so much, but here we are. They made these moves. Let's start with the New York Mets. The New York Mets... They went out and made a splash. The Mets went out and signed four big pieces that could be huge for the for the chance to go chase down the Braves and do what they did, win a World Series. They went out and made moves and signed guys like Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and Starley Marte. And that's not even the biggest move they made. I'll talk about the... Big signing here in a second, but I want to break down these three signings first. Starling Monte, they signed him to a four-year deal, and I love the move. I absolutely love the move for the Mets there getting Starling Monte. 
He's a pretty good center fielder. He still swiped bags even at his age. I think he actually had more swiped bags by himself than the Mets did as a team last year. So I love the pickup there. He's still an elite center fielder defensively. He has a great pop in his bat. And he brings another dimension to this lineup and defense for the New York Mets. Mark Canna, I like the move too. He could play corner outfield. He could play first base for you whenever, like, Pete Alonso, he gets a day off or whatever. He still has a little pop in his bat. He's a pretty decent defender. And it brings a little more depth to this lineup than the Mets as well. And the same thing with Walter Escobar, who is probably going to play third base for them. Left-handed bat. A little bit of pop in his bat as well. Pretty decent defender. So they definitely got some more depth in this lineup with some pretty solid role players. And Sterling Marte. Now the big signing they did they got was Max Scherzer. Where they signed to a three-year, $130 million deal, giving the highest APV of all time. Like, good Lord. They're, they're going to pay him a crap ton of money in the next three years. And he has an opt-out in year two, after year two, so that's a great thing. The Mets now, think about this. The Mets now have arguably by far the best one-two in the league when it comes to Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Like, can you imagine going to a potential playoff series and you gotta go against Jacob DeGrom in game one, and then you gotta deal with Max Scherzer in game two? You might as well guarantee yourself to start the series down 0-2. Because those two aren't really gonna do much, give up much. Both of them are just... Fantastic pitchers. They don't give up a lot of runs. Don't give up a lot of hits. And I don't know. I don't know. The Mets are definitely not done, though. I still believe they're going to be aggressive and get one more arm. Maybe a few. Maybe one more bat as well. And ever since they got snuffed by Steven Matz, Steve Cohen, and Billy Epler, they've been on a war path this week. They've got all the deals done. On Black Friday and the weekend and Cyber Monday and all that fun stuff. So, the New York Mets, well done. You got you definitely went out and made a huge splash. You made some big splashes early. And you're still not done. Hey, hey, Mets fans, do you think they're you think Steve this Steve Cohen guy? He's a lot better than the Wilpons, don't you think? <laughs> and last but not least, the team I did not expect to make these fantastic moves, but they did. The Texas Rangers. What? What? <laughs> okay. First of all, when they got Marcus Simeon, I was like, okay, that's cute. Marcus Simeon definitely got his bag. He is a great player. Seven years, $175 million. He, he definitely deserved the bag. But that's not going to do much for the Rangers. And then... They got John Gray from the Colorado Rockies. Like, uh, okay, that helps the rotation a lot. So, and then they go out and get Corey Seager for 10 years, $325 million. And it's just like, what? (laughs) Texas, congrats. You're not, you're trying to get out of the cellar. Good for you. Good for you. I mean, these are some great moves by the Texas Rangers. Don't get me wrong. They definitely shore up the middle infield for the next couple of seasons. Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, they spent over $500 million combined with those two alone for the next few seasons, or at least the next seven seasons. So I'm just, wow. The Rangers definitely are not a World Series contender yet by all means. Heck, I don't, I don't still think they're the best team in the American League West. They probably pass Oakland at this rate, but their offense alone. They still need pitching, so who knows? Maybe they go out and get a Clayton Kershaw. I don't know, but who knows? Still a lot of moves to be made in the offseason for the for these teams. 
But I absolutely love the move for the Texas Rangers. It hurts me as a Mariners fan because now I see Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon in the Rangers uniform. But it is what it is. They've done a fan. The Rangers did a fantastic job picking up Marcus Simeon, who had a who was an MVP finalist last year and probably his best season as a big leader. And then obviously Corey Seager has been one of the better shortstops in the league the past couple of years. So. We'll see how it goes. Still have the question mark about his health, but it is what it is. And then the Rangers went out and got John Gray to help that rotation out a little bit, but John Gray isn't exactly an ace, so they still need to go out and get one more pitcher, I believe. But, yeah, they great start for the offseason for the Rangers. The Mariners, the Rangers, and the Mets have done a fantastic job this offseason. They're definitely the winners of the offseason by far. Just started off the offseason going into the lockout. So we'll see how that goes. Still a lot of more moves to be made, and I thought I had to get this podcast out before something else is out. So there's that. <laughs> Great start to the hot, hot stove. <laughs> to close out the pod, close out this episode, I want to talk about two of the biggest moves I have saw going into the penultimate week in college football when it comes to the rankings and all that. Let's start with this one. The one I did not... These, I mean, both these moves I did not see happening, but it makes sense for both these people. Brian Kelly. Let's start with him first, because this one is going to be definitely a move that I could see shake up the SEC, possibly. Brian Kelly, a man I thought would never leave Notre Dame. I thought he was going to be Notre Dame for life at this rate, but Brian Kelly... He's going to go coach at LSU, becoming the new head coach, replacing Ed Ogeron at LSU. Now, this is a move that could be potentially huge for Brian Kelly's career. You go to the SEC, right? You go to a team that's only a few years removed of winning a national title. Brian Kelly has been a pretty decent recruiter at Notre Dame. He gotten some big people to come, good players to come to Notre Dame. Now you move to the SEC, where now you got to compete with Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, etc. And to mention now, you're in the same division as Nick Saban. Brian Kelly. If he can get LSU back to where they were, where they were a couple of years ago when they had under the national title, this could be a good move for his legacy. He's been a fantastic coach at LSU at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame is in a situation where if unless you're absolutely perfect, you have to go perfect every year at LSU, at Notre Dame to uh, win a national title. Anytime you lose a game, you're basically eliminated. You go to the SEC, right? And Brian Kelly is an absolutely fantastic coach. You can afford to lose a game in the SEC. You just can't. Because you have more opportunities in the SEC to build a playoff resume and sneak your way into the college football playoff. You're going to be playing a ranked team at least once every other week. At some point in the SEC, you're going to play big games. You're going to play games that matter. You're not going to play some random scrub in the ACC. You're not going to play some random group of five team every week. But you're going to be competing with the Bamas, the AMs, the Arkansas, the, Kentucky, the Georgias, the Floridas, etc. You're going to be competing with them. So it'll be a good chance to get build your resume and build on your legacy good move for Brian Kelly now on to the move that I absolutely did not see happening but it happened in the middle of the dark and Oklahoma I welcome you to the team to the Coach stabbed you in the back and left to go to USC Club, which has only been held by one other school, the University of Tennessee. But it is what it is. 
Lincoln Riley, he is going to the University of Southern California to become the new head coach there. And as much as, much as Oklahoma fans are going to hate it, it's a good move for Lincoln Riley in another way. Oklahoma, when they move to the SEC, is going to be in absolutely no position to be competing with the SEC programs, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Floridas when they get back on track. It's going to be the LSUs with Brian Kelly, but in the A&Ms and the Arkansas. And I think Tennessee in a few years. And Kentucky every now and then. I just don't see how, as my roommate, as my neighbor's far along continues to go off for a smoke to continues to go off for no reason. It is a interesting situation we're going to be in when it comes to Coach Riley at USC. He's going to a position where he can definitely go in and recruit. Lincoln Riley's been an absolutely fantastic recruit recruiter the past couple of years at Oklahoma. Brought in some nice talent. And has been able to dominate the Big 12 for most of his career at Oklahoma. And going to USC, where he is in a market where he can definitely bring in some more talented recruits. A lot of recruits from Oklahoma are already decommitting from Oklahoma. I would not be surprised to see them go to USC. And Lincoln Riley is definitely going to be able to bring more top-end recruits to USC in the market in L.A. USC is definitely a position where now, if Lincoln Riley can do what he needs to do, he can help, he can bring, he can bring, he may make, USC in a powerhouse again in college football, especially in the Pac-12 where it's basically Oregon, or the past couple of years has basically been Oregon and then everybody, Oregon and I guess Utah and then everybody else. The Oregon and Utah have been the only consistent teams in the Pac-12 the past couple of seasons. Now USC getting Coach Riley, that could change. And let's be honest, the Pac-12 is a lot better when USC is relevant because that's because when USC is relevant, and even when they're not relevant, the only time all the networks want to bring the cameras to USC. Let's be honest, that's just how it is. It's a great move for Coach Ryan in his career. He goes out west. He can go dominate the Pac-12 again. He can bring the top end recruits to USC, and he can make USC as good as it was probably back when Pete Carroll was there a while ago. But that's just my thoughts about. Both those moves. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And, well, until next time, I'm out. Peace.